Well, good morning. Welcome back to the Broadcast Retirement Network. I'm Jeff Snyder. This is BRN AM for Wednesday, March 1st, 2023. And our top story today, generational patterns within retirement income. Today's show is powered by Invesco. To learn more about Invesco and see its latest research, visit www.invesco forward slash retirement income. Joining me now to discuss this and a lot more, Greg Jenkins is the head of Institutional Defined Contribution for Invesco, and Katie Hockenmeyer is a partner with the consulting firm Mercer. Well, Greg, Katie, it's great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us on the program this morning. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Great to be here. Uh, Greg, this is a, a continuation of a, of, a, of a topic that we've talked about, um, the Invesco Retirement income study that y'all did, or you all did, I should say, uh, Invesco did back in the, in the fall, uh, pretty powerful study with a lot of great information. And, you know, there's been some interesting intergenerational facts that have come out of that. You want to talk a little bit about how Gen Xers like myself may differ from, say, Gen Zers or millennials? Sure. So just a little, a little background on the study, uh, just to review. So we teamed up with Greenwald Research, and we surveyed over a thousand participants from large plans, both public and private. And we also did uh, 12 focus groups where we learned a tremendous amount, especially on this topic, because it is a, it is a complex one. So we did see some generational patterns, and but there, there are some things that were the same for everyone. For instance, 70% of people across all age ranges are worried about running out of money. Um, and so it's, it's, a, it's definitely uh, something that's on people's minds. And in terms of confidence, uh, only 20% of Gen Xers said they were confident they could build a retirement income strategy from their uh, savings in their, in their DC plan. That got a little better with millennials, uh, maybe a little overconfidence. Uh, about 25% of millennials said they, were, they felt confident. But I would say where we really saw a big difference, uh, Jeff, is with uh, in the focus groups, we saw definite enthusiasm and interest among millennials in retirement income, much more than we expected. And the other thing that we heard that was different from the other generations is millennials talked a lot about retiring early, starting their own business, starting a second chapter. And so it makes sense that they're interested in retirement income because they want to move on to that, that next phase of life. Yeah, really, really good information. And it's it's really interesting to see how different groups of people think about these topics so differently and how you have to tailor messages. We'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, Katie, it's it's great to see you. And thanks so much for joining us this morning. And you work for uh, work at Mercer, a, a very well-known uh, consulting practice uh, focusing on retirement, investments, et cetera. Might you share a little bit about your experience and Mercer's experience working with plan sponsors around retirement income? What are they telling you? Great question. And, and thanks again for having me. Um, so there's a few key themes that come up with plan sponsors when we talk to them. Number one, a lot of them are actually just very concerned that their employees aren't going to be able to retire and the implications on their own workforce management strategies that that might have over time. I think that's become more pronounced as we've seen DB plans continue to you know, get closed and frozen and those benefits go away. Um, but they're also hearing directly from their employees that this is something that's a concern from them. So so Mercer has an inside employees mind study that we've produced 
most recent iteration was just in 2022. And in that, we saw that less than half of employees were confident that they'd be able to turn their money into an income stream in retirement. And in addition to that, we saw that generating some type of retirement income or preparing for retirement was literally the top concern uh, of employees. They're very, very much focused on this. And that spans all generations. It's not just you know those individuals that are really kind of staring down the next couple of years and saying, am I going to be having enough money to, to make ends meet? It's really across the generations as, as Greg mentioned. And so as we start to have these conversations, plan sponsors are really trying to think, what can I do to meet those more immediate term needs of their population that are really looking down and saying, I have five years left or I wanna retire next year, what can I do? And then they're also trying to figure out how can they engage with the, the younger populations that have a much longer trajectory? What's going to be attractive to them? Are there things that they can do to prepare them better? With the acknowledgement that those individuals might not be at their organization for 40 years because that, that just doesn't really happen anymore, but still with this notion that, that if those individuals feel secure, they're going to be much more present in their work. Let's talk a little bit about personalization. And this is really something that didn't start in retirement income, but it started really talking about asset allocation. We hear every major record keeper uh, or service provider, excuse me, talking about this. How important is personalization when you think about retirement income? And does that play a role, for example, for a Gen Xer like me versus uh, a baby boomer or a, a millennial? Yeah, I, I would say personalization is tremendously important. Um, we find that participants are really not engaging unless something is coming to them that's very personalized. One thing that I think is the most interesting is that you can get away with different levels of personalization depending upon the generation that you're talking to. So if you have someone who is maybe Gen X or a boomer, you know, they like to see that things are personalized. They want to see that they have flexibility to, to customize things. But if you're talking to a Gen Z individual, they can spot a fake, you know, fake personalization. They need deep personalization where it's really picking up on all their behaviors, everything and packaging it together for them. Um, so it's an interesting dichotomy, but it is something that's absolutely necessary. We think eventually relying more on technology is going to be extremely important. Things like having VR capabilities that actually are going to, you know, facilitate almost a one-on-one -on -one conversation that's going to allow someone to come in and really make an educated decision or possibly even relying on AI more to really learn an individual's behaviors and patterns so that when you get to this point of having to make a decision, they can actually provide much more personalized recommendations. Yeah. And Greg, Katie brings up a really good point, that connection uh, to another between people, really important, uh, especially when it comes to retirement income. Um, are, are plan sponsors thinking about multiple retirement income products? So it sounds like you know, when you think about personalization, it's not a one-size-fits-all solution here. Yeah, we think that ultimately the answer is going to be multiple retirement income options. So as part of the study, we talked to 18 plan sponsors and did in-depth interviews. And, and similar to what um, Katie conveyed, we found that they're very in tune with the varying needs of their participants. And, you know, we saw that in our and with our focus groups, again, especially, we saw that there's just a wide variety of needs based on people's lifestyles and how they want to spend their retirement and when they want to retire and what they plan to do next. And I think that the challenge is that this can all seem a little overwhelming. The key is there's got to be a participant interface that can make sense of these 
different, they can help participants make sense of these different options and figure out which one they fit into. And, you know, it may sound, it may sound impossible, but it's actually being done already. Um, if you look at the Nest plan in the UK, they have several retirement income options for participants. And there's a uh, really simple menu that participants go through to uh, figure out, you know, which one might, might suit their needs the best. Yeah, really, really interesting. It's amazing how the adaptation of artificial intelligence and some of the newest technologies can really help guide participants. Well, guys, I need to take a very quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about how employers can leverage that open-mindedness of millennials and Gen Zers. You're going to want to stay tuned right here on BRN AM. Imagine a new television network that will make you richer, healthier, and in control of your financial future. This network is for the policewoman in Nashville, Tennessee, the baker in Dubuque, Iowa, the teacher in Lexington, Kentucky. We want to make the idea of savings and retirement culturally relevant. But what do you see as a defining issue of the midterms? Especially for the smaller businesses. I mean, they are the lifeblood of the American economy. Featuring exclusive interviews, current affairs, and docu-series. 33 yeah. years old, you retired early. The philosophy is money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. But you gotta start thinking about retirement as soon as you get in. The Broadcast Retirement Network will drive very high engagement with premium partnerships. So this isn't retirement and savings for your parents or grandparents. This is for all Americans. And we're gonna change the way you think about money. Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. Are you stuck with a low credit score? A credit report and score that's causing you to be denied credit or pay higher interest rates than others for the same things? Then do what Terrence did and call Credit Repaired for your free credit evaluation to help restore your credit. I started thinking about buying a new house and my score wasn't where I needed it to be. I called and spoke with one of the representatives and we just had a good conversation and I, I liked what he was saying. Just one call for his free credit evaluation was all it took to start back on the track to repairing his credit. I'm seeing the deletions and I'm getting the report so I know something's being done. It does make a difference to me. All it takes is one call to get started. Credit repair has given me a second chance to have a better credit score. Don't let a low credit score hold you back another day. Do what Terrence did and make the call for your free credit evaluation. Call 800-819-4152. That's 800-819-4152. Again, 800-819-4152. Welcome back. A reminder that today's show is powered by Invesco. To learn more about Invesco and see its latest research, visit www.invesco.com forward slash retirement income. And we're joined this morning by Greg Jenkins of Invesco 
and Katie Hockenmeyer of Mercer. Katie, Greg, thanks so much for staying with us this morning. Really appreciate you hanging around for segment two. Thanks again for having us on. Yeah, ab absolutely. All right, let's talk about, uh, Katie, I want to come back to you because as I teased going to the commercial break, um, look, there's a perception that, and I think the study bears it out, that, that, that there's a lot more open-mindedness when it comes to millennials and Gen Zers when it comes to retirement income. What are some takeaways for the employers out there? The plan sponsors manage a large, small retirement plan, whether it's a higher ed plan, a 403B, 401k. What do you take away? How do you tap into that open-mindedness for the rest of your employee population? That's such a great question. And I think it's one that we're still trying to figure out the answer to, to be honest, Jeff. I mean, there's a few things that, that we've observed already. Um, the first thing I think is really not being afraid to try new things, not being afraid to try new methods of communication, new ways of engaging and learning from them. I think that there's an acknowledgement among many participants and employees that you know it's not gonna be perfect all the time. Um, and so whether that's trying some in-person sessions, kind of doing some more webinars, doing some more tailored outreach and communications, hitting everything um, and kind of moving away from potential biases that you might have about your population today can provide pretty surprising results sometimes. So I think that's one of the, the biggest things that we've started to see. Um, the other thing I would just note is that there's been, and this is a little bit nuanced, but um, there's been this, there's still this big misconception that annuities are bad. And we see that that's not necessarily a, you know, actual bias born out in younger generations. And so really encouraging plan sponsors to really take that, that out of their mind, um, because it's not necessarily true, depending on who you're talking to. Yeah, really good point, Greg. And, and let's, I want to bring you back into the conversation here. You know, that, that Kay brings up a good point, annuity, annuity, bad. Fees, right? I mean, I'm talking like a caveman, but but it is kind of old world thinking. Um, liquidity, illiquidity. How do you how do you and I, how do you sway people? And, and I mean, it doesn't have to be a sales. It doesn't have to be salesmanship. It doesn't have to be propaganda. But how do we kind of redefine it? There are so many new product sets out there. It's not your mom and dad's or your grandfather grandmother's annuity. They're very different today. Yeah, that's exactly right, Jeff. And what we um, saw, we def, we we did test thoughts and feelings about annuities, and we saw there is a definite bias against annuities. But it's it's really limited to it's a segment of the baby boomer population and older Gen X. We found that uh, this you know this strong negative bias really didn't exist with millennials and uh, younger Gen X. And they seem to be much more open-minded, you know, and, and we're inquisitive. What what are annuities? You know, uh, how do they work? And so you can you can really see you can really see a shift there. And I think there's an opportunity for the industry to capitalize on that, and to um, you know not not just sell people more product, but but get annuities to the people that 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 really uh, need them, and and overcoming you know some of these biases that hopefully have have uh, you know gone by the wayside over time. We also tested pricing. Uh, and, I, and I want to emphasize, we didn't try and get too scientific with the pricing because I don't think you really can, but we definitely saw some trends. And what we found was that younger participants were willing to pay more for lifetime income. And they also seemed to be more uh, enthusiastic about the uh, employer offering, you know, a, offering these products at a better price than they could get on their own. Yeah, so really encouraging just, overall. Yeah, I, I like, look, I, I love the open-mindedness and I think, you know, have to 
kind of adapt to the environment. And, and look, you're going to need lifetime income, especially as we live longer. We are living longer, most of us, fortunately, because of the medical um, medical uh, uh, heroics. Uh, Greg, I want to come back to you because Katie talked about artificial intelligence, the, the AR, um, you know, to, to help convey some of these products. Um, you got to gather information from a lot of sources, and that doesn't always just come from the plan. The plan has a lot of information, you know, your social security number, your, your employee ID, your date of birth, but there's a lot of sources of information out there that really have to be culled through in order to help a participant make the best decision possible. That, that's right. Education is a is a tough topic, um, especially with these lifetime income products. One of the things that we that we learned was was it is a it is a complex topic. It took the moderators and our focus groups, you know, a little bit of time to explain some of these things before we could get into you know thoughts and preferences about different products. And I feel like with AI, it feels like there's so much data in plans already that hasn't been fully leveraged. I think there's still a lot of runway, just given the, the data that's, you know, that's it's in the plan that's available uh, to providers. So I think still a lot of work to do there. Um, but I do think education is getting better. I think that the advent of, you know, financial wellness and uh, some of these issues, I think, has got um, plan sponsors thinking more about uh, education and, and, you know, stepping over the line a little bit, not being afraid to educate their participants on these on these topics. What we found, too, is that especially younger participants, they will go find information on their own online. They're very good at it. Um, and as we know, there's good uh, financial information online and there's bad information as well. And I think that what you want to avoid is having an information vacuum. And if you can guide your participants to some, you know, some some vetted uh, content, you can avoid them going out and finding, um, you know, the wrong thing on their own. Yeah, I heard GameStop was a good buy. Uh, so, uh, Katie, I'm just kidding. Look, don't t no investment advice here. This show does not provide investment advice. So we'll be very clear about that. Katie, just to just kind of tie things together. Greg talked about the sources. You talked about personalization. There could be an added cost for personalization, but that if it's if it leads to a better outcome, and I, I think coming back, kind of circling back to this fiduciary conversation, if it leads to a better outcome, a higher fee for that service isn't necessarily a bad thing. Absolutely. I think ultimately we all know, you know, especially for ERISA plans, you need to ensure that fees are reasonable. They don't have to be the lowest cost. I think it really is striking the right balance and figuring out where is value going to be added. And so as you think about that from an investment solution perspective, there are going to be continued advances in personalization of investment solutions, and they're going to cost a little bit more money. It's just the nature of it. But is that actually adding value and figuring out how to measure that value is really important. From a communications lens, yes, there's always more cost associated with personalizing communications, but there doesn't have to be. I love that Greg mentioned, you know, kind of the fact that younger generations will go out and find sources of information. Some personalization could actually really just look like maybe you finding reputable TikTok sources and providing and pushing those out to your employees versus having them going out and trying to decipher what's reputable on their own. Even that level of personalization could resonate better and help people engage better for younger cohorts. Yeah, really good. And, and it's all about talking to your peers. If you're a human resource manager or a plan sponsor, talking to your peers, maybe in, in the same industry, maybe not in the same industry. There's a lot to be gleaned there. 
Katie, Greg, we're going to have to leave it there. Really interesting conversation. And we look forward to having you back on the program again very soon. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Jeff. Enjoyed it. And that wraps up this episode of BRNAM. Have a topic of interest, somebody you think we should talk to. Don't forget to drop us a line. And don't forget, for all the latest curated news in lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, so much more, and all in one place, check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives, check out our latest content? We'll visit our website and, of course, all of our streaming partners. We're backing in tomorrow for another edition of BRNAM. Of course, we'll have a very special guest. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe, keep on saving, and don't forget, roll with the changes. Now is your opportunity to co-create content around any topic on the first lifestyle and wellness network. Reach a global audience through our platform and co-own exclusive branded content. All of our programs are available on demand and also as audio-only podcasts so you can take us on the go. Broadcast Retirement Network, available anytime, anywhere, and on any device. Tax audits, tax liens, wage garnishments. Every day we hear stories like this about good folks who are simply struggling to pay their bills. Each of them are living a frightening IRS tax nightmare, and they are afraid it will destroy their lives. I'm a divorced single mom, and my ex-husband left me and the kids with a lot of unpaid bills, including unpaid taxes. I was really starting to show my stress on my kids because the IRS had sent me a letter demanding a huge payment from me. I couldn't afford it. So then the IRS was threatening to garnish my wages. I'm already living paycheck to paycheck. That would have put me over the edge financially. It truly seemed hopeless, but then a friend at work told her to call the tax relief line. The people at the tax relief line, they told me about something called innocent spouse relief. They worked it out so that all of the taxes from my ex are not my problem. I don't know how that works and, and I don't care. All I care about is that I don't owe the IRS a dime and they are not going to take my paycheck. Even if it seems hopeless, you should call the number on your screen right now. There is absolutely no cost for the call or the consultation. You are under no obligation. If you are worried that the IRS could garnish your wages, seize your assets, even take your home, call us right now. The Tax Relief Line is here to help you. Now you have a knowledgeable, professional team of tax experts that are ready to negotiate with the IRS and fight for you to save you money. The Tax Relief Line's professionals have successfully negotiated thousands of cases, reducing and sometimes even eliminating the tax debt for their clients. It's very easy to get started. Simply call the number on your screen right now. You don't have to live in fear anymore. The call and the consultation are free. 